0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into
1: the Rutgers ScoutCast episode 85. The episode that almost didn't happen. So I am the host of the Rutgers ScoutCast, Sam Hellman. And as much as I wanted to bag it this week and celebrate Thanksgiving, we decided to put together... An episode, so I hope everyone enjoys what Brian and I were able to put together this week on short notice. Both of us very busy with the holidays, and not only that, but three Rutgers basketball games in a seven-day period, plus everything going on with the football team and wrestling on the roll. There hasn't been a lot of time to really plan out and do some detailed podcasting. So hopefully, everyone has had a good Thanksgiving. You're either listening to this. On the night of Thanksgiving, if you're insane, or later in the week as uh, they prepare or react to the Michigan State game on Saturday, if you don't listen this week, I'm not offended. I get it. People have better stuff to do uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend than uh, listen to people talk about Rutgers and a struggling football team. With that said, if you are listening and you're enjoying it, you like the show, want it to keep going, please uh, toss us a review in Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help people... Find the show to help expand the show. And, uh, you know, there's other Rutgers podcasts out there now. I'm not the only one doing it weekly. So hopefully you continue to choose us and uh, give us those friendly reviews. We appreciate it. Uh, we try to keep the shtick to a minimum and actually talk about football and, and basketball and analyze things on this instead of uh, joking around too much. But we have fun as well, and you're going to hear that this week. So the format of the show this week first is going to be a conversation with. Komoko Turei, the defensive end whose career has just ended or is about to end at Rutgers, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, Like I've explained in some past episodes, the interview segments are a little bit shorter right now just because there are more restrictions on the amount of one-on-one time we can get with how busy the Rutgers football schedule is right now. So hopefully you enjoy the time that I spent with Komoko. I think it's about a five-minute conversation. I love that kid. He's so much fun. Uh, been covering him for a while, and I know there's those grandiose expectations. Oh, let's let's see if Kamoka could be a first-team all-conference player this year. And, and that didn't work out, but I would argue that he had a very good season and that what you don't see on the stat sheet or in sacks this year doesn't matter. If you're an NFL scout or coach that puts on the film, because the testing numbers have always been there, and now you've seen that Ture can do a little bit more than just put his hand in the dirt and run at the quarterback. Hopefully it all works out for him. You're going to hear from Kamoko in just a second, talking about that. Then Brian Doan joins us for a little bit to chat about this week in Rutgers and maybe some recruiting stuff. We'll see how that conversation goes. And then after that, closing out the show this week, if you're a, if you're a hardcore fan, you're a Scarlet Report follower, you've probably already seen this video of Jerry Kill, but his his answer. I love Jerry Kill, man. He's he's hilarious. And he just goes on these like five-minute diatribes that have nothing to do with the questions that were asked, and I love that. So what I'm gonna do after Brian comes on the show, instead of closing things out the traditional way, I'm gonna play about six or seven minutes of Jerry Kill audio from his press conference this week. Everything that you hear from Jerry Kill speaking came from literally two questions. He just goes and goes and goes until he's done talking and gives a ton of information Everything from him coming back next year to his health to everything that's gone gone wrong with Rutgers to if he regrets not redshirting some of the freshmen on offense to Jonathan Lewis to what really went wrong against Indiana. I thought he was a little more blunt about it than Coach Chris Ash was. All of that stuff is covered in this seven-minute segment, and it's funny because all of it was based on me asking him a question that he didn't answer. <laughs> I asked him something like, hey, Coach – how much can it help these guys to have you and the offensive staff back for a second year? Because this Rutgers offense has never had the same coordinator for two years in a row. And he answers it quickly, but then he moves on to 17 other things that were more interesting. So I hope you enjoy listening to that. There is some background noise with the typing and stuff. That Again, guys, it's a press conference. People type. There's nothing I can do about that. But hopefully you enjoy listening to Jerry Kill as we close out the show and really get ready for a winter with National Signing Day and all that stuff. Enough of this palaver. Let's get this show on the road. Here's Kamoko Teray. Kamoko, how much more do you know about football than that kid that was running around at
2: Barringer? So I can reflect on the kid that didn't know nothing. Um, I know a lot more, um, and still learning to know more. And if I and uh, still want to get opportunity, you know, to go to the league and still get get the things that football that a lot of like a lot of deep, um, pass rushers knows that i don't know yet because i know i don't know a lot like it's going to a different level probably teach different techniques and different stuff and how, how they see things it's just like the, everywhere i go like my freshman year i didn't know a lot i just know how to pass rush came here was learning first and second down and then pass rushing and learning the the difference between old lineman d tackle and then to the duo formation and stuff like that. I'm learning stuff like that. I'm still, I'm still learning, and I'm, I, and I see it. And then as you can see, like me playing first and second down, seeing that I actually improved from being just a third down player, now being a first and second down player, and also going to the next level. I, um, I feel like I'm just, I'm gonna learn more, and there's still a lot to learn.
1: I remember when you, uh, when you were a junior, Coach Mangan said, "Hey, you should go watch this guy at Rutgers camp." And then Rutgers offered you, you're committed, you blew up out of nowhere. What do you remember about that camp and and really when you realized you could play college football?
2: Uh, I remember I was doing one-on-ones, and Coach Flood was watching me, and um, I was kind of – I was kind of scared and seeing, I was curious and seeing what they what they th- thought of me and stuff like that, but my coach just kept telling me, to just, you your athleticism and everything's going to work out and then everything's going to plan out. So, I just constantly just kept doing what I was told to do and then Coach Ash, you know, pulled me over, I mean, Coach Flores pulled me over and, you know, spoke to me and said he was he wanted to offer me a full scholarship, which I was really shocked and I talked to him one-on-one. It was official right then and there and, um, that's when I knew right then and there that, um, that I could um, do something special if I just, just constantly, you know, just keep on learning.
1: How cool has that aspect been for you? I mean, you got to show the kids out of Beringer, out of Newark Central, and everywhere could make it here. And now I know you have so much family that's trying to do the same thing with Lance and Muhammad, and the other Muhammad.
2: I realized that ever since I started playing football, I impacted so many people in my family lives and then, um, cousins, friends, and people that you know haven't seen this coming at all. And um, and I'm happy that I kind of changed some people's life. Even my little brother that lives in Georgia playing football because of me. My little brother Lance that playing for Irvington, playing football and my cousins and stuff like that. So it's um, I'm happy that just by my by me not being physically there around them that I could just be in a, model, um, a role model to them and stuff like that. And hopefully, and many them more to the next level. I could continue to do that.
1: And what's your favorite part of Rutgers University?
2: Everything like um learned a lot, time management, uh practice, uh it's just different from everything It's Probably different from different it's just different hard and um prepare you for the league. A lot of people that came out of here are doing good, that came from free agency and stuff like that are still in the league because of what they came out of Rutgers. So Sunday, I'm just going to go straight, Um, take a little couple of days off, you know, rest my body and stuff like that, but also I'm still training a little bit, I'm not going to put my body, I'm not going to put too much stress into my body, but also, you know, um, and start to make decisions on where I want to train at and stuff like that, but also just keep on, try to keep fit or go to the sauna and just taking care of my body and just icing a lot, you know, getting ready and try to get healthy until January next year next year so that I could get ready for the NFL PAs. Getting better, Stro- shoulders, you know, still need to get stronger and stuff like that. And I got to keep on working and just, you, know, you can never actually relax, you know, you just got to keep constantly keep working. So once you relax, you know, it starts to fatigue, your body starts to like lose muscle mass and stuff like that. So I just, just going to keep exercising little things. It don't have to be something major to, you know, to put wear and tear in my body, which is something, you know, just keep on energizing, energizing myself and get ready.
1: Thanks, Marco. Appreciate it, man. All right, so we have a lot planned for this week's show. now joined by Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst for CBS. Brian, uh, happy Thanksgiving as this drops. Thanksgiving night, I'm sure that you're very well fed and – some nice vegan options at your at your Thanksgiving I'm probably asleep right now yeah I mean this drops at about 6 p.m so hopefully I'm on my second nap yeah don't I... don't wake me up fair enough well the the thing that I want to talk about this week I, I don't think that there's any need for us to again go back and explain what happened to Indiana because I don't think there's any interest in people listening to that and so I want what I want to do first you have is just change quarterbacks you're right yeah why didn't why didn't we try Zach Allen? Well, speaking of Zach Allen, part of the thing I want to talk about this week, I want to talk about th- there has, there's just this strange uproar surrounding the number of scholarships Rutgers has. Um, however much or little you follow the program, Rutgers has 22 scholarships available this year, and that is because Rutgers has taken kids in 2017. Those kids are leveraged against the 2018 class, basically, and that's part of the grad transfer decision that Rutgers has made, right? And so people don't understand, refuse to acknowledge the whole 22 number.
3: When I'm talking about it, can I just say ditto?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, You just transform it into whatever you want. But the reason I bring it up is because Rutgers brought in a ton of grad transfers this year, and not all of that goes into the leveraging against the future class thing, but it did play a role specifically with Kyle Bolin at quarterback. And I think that w- what I want to talk about, and I asked Chris Ash about this on Tuesday, was what did you get from these guys off the field? Because, yeah, you can say Kyle Boland was a bust, that Zach Allen was a bust, that uh, Ross Douglas has underperformed at linebacker or whatever. You can say that, and it's a perfectly legitimate argument, but a lot of these guys were not busts in the locker room, and that's where you talk about the whole revamping a culture that needs a lot of help. Sam,
3: this must be your holiday gift to me.
1: Letting you talk about number of scholarships and grad transfers?
3: I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to put it in these terms. I think it was on this podcast a few moons back where I referenced I covered UCLA. And they had a kid, a JUCO kid. They brought in like six JUCOs one year, which you you don't really do at UCLA very much.
1: So, are we at the point now where we're going to retell UCLA stories? Like, are we already out of them? Well, for the people, the new ones. Okay.
3: Dan Nelson, linebacker. Everybody said, oh, he barely even plays, doesn't do much. Uh, Why do you have him on the team? It's just a wasted scholarship. Well, as it turned out, former Marine, I want to say he was in, I can't remember, because I remember doing this story. I can't remember if he was in Afghanistan. Whatever. He was a former Marine. And he brought toughness, which you would think a Marine would bring and leadership to the locker room. And he turned out to be a special teams player, and that was it. And I remember one game he broke his collarbone because his shoulder pad got shattered when he was trying to bust a wedge when you could have wedges. When you're talking about changing culture, you're talking about Damon Mitchell coming and knowing how to work hard and how to watch film. Kyle Bolin, yeah, maybe he didn't play well on the field, but perhaps he taught Jonathan Lewis how to watch film and take notes because he watched lamar jackson do it and gus edwards turned out to be a good player and so you get that from him ross douglas what did you know he he came from michigan right and the way they watched film there and went through everything there so i i think when you're talking about a program that's trying to remake its image when you're trying to change the culture inside the locker room Everybody looks at what happens on the field and the results in good or bad. And there's so much more that goes into it that you can't even imagine. You know, every team has their glue guys, and maybe some of these guys turned out to be glue guys, which is key to transition from having a bad locker room into having a better locker room.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, there's guys that have come in and clearly improved their stock. You know, Gus Edwards went from Miami where he wouldn't he wouldn't be playing on this Miami team right now. He'd be playing, just not a lot. Right. Not he, as much as Rutgers. He'd be playing as much as Josh Hicks is playing this year for Rutgers. So, before no, the injury. Be, I actually think he'd be playing more, but I understand your point.
3: Okay. Well, I, well, my point I, is that...
1: I, I think that he'd be a short yardage guy and, and,
3: you know, something like that.
1: At Rutgers, he could be a feature back, and he's now a legitimately on an NFL radar because of what he's done at Rutgers. Correct. You have that. You have a guy like Damon Mitchell who wanted to prove he could be a special teams player or wide receiver to get a look at the NFL. I I, I don't think that part of it worked out. But what Damon Mitchell has gotten to do and Gus Edwards has gotten to do is they get to go spend a year in college where they're also with their children. They both have kids that they wanted to be with and they get to do that now that they're both less than an hour away from home. Uh, Then you have guys like Andrew Hart, the kicker who walked on. But not only is he probably the best place kicker Rutgers has had since, what would you say, San Santee?
4: Most most reliable.
1: But he came specifically to, because he's close with Jerry Kill and Jerry Kill's wife, they're they're all very close, and he wanted to get an in into the New York business. He's going to go get a job next semester in New York because of his grad school at Rutgers. You have Ross Douglas, who's always wanted to be a coach, and now he's learned from Harbaugh, Ash, Jerry Kill, He's learned from some pretty good coaches about what it takes and if he really wants to do it. So maybe they didn't all become NFL players. If but he came
3: it, a year earlier, he could have learned what not to do.
1: Well, he was here last year.
3: Two years ago, I mean.
1: Ah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, he could have learned a lot from that. Um, my point is that I know that everyone is going to say, I can't believe that we can't sign, I don't know, name your obscure three-star kid that Rutgers isn't really recruiting. I can't believe we can't s- we can't believe we signed this kid. We can't sign him because of Kyle Bolin. He barely played for us, and he threw six interceptions and whatever you want to say about him. But what you don't see unless you talk to Chris Ash or talk to Jonathan Lewis if he were allowed to talk or if you talk to, you know, parents or anyone around the program, what you don't can we see. Just,
3: can we just check Jonathan Lewis's dad's Twitter?
1: We probably could. There's some good stuff on there. Um, from what I understand, he's ready to go for Michigan State. You talk to these people and you can see that they're teaching younger guys what it takes and the leadership at Rutgers a lot of those players didn't really ever get uh, it.
3: Oh, I you were in athletics when you said oh. leadership at Rutgers. I thought that was an oxymoron, but we're talking athletics, so okay.
1: Well, I mean, you know, it's all about freedom of speech. While like look at look at the Rutgers seniors, okay? Look at guys like Miles Nash, like Robert Martin, like Kamoko Toure. What does Chris Ash always say about these guys is well they finally bought in. They're working great this year That they're, they're bought into the program And they're doing it the right way this time But that means for the first three or four years They weren't doing it the right way I, I think everybody recognizes yeah. that But do you want them passing on The wrong things they learned to the next generation Or do you want Ross Douglas To come in and say hey here's how Jim Harbaugh Did it by the way you know He brought the 49ers to the Super Bowl He knows about coaching and what it takes uh, I think that that's where Grad transfers paid off despite the fact that Rutgers will be a little limited come December signing day.
3: Here's the biggest issue. Everybody wants the results now. And while they're happy when something takes place, six months later they forget why it was done. I mean, the big one was, uh, what was it, the Jeff, was it Jeff Bagwell who was traded from the Red Sox to the Astros way back when? And, Everybody says it's the worst deal, but it got the Red Sox to the playoffs as they were chasing a World Series title. It's stuff like that. you you got to look at things as they are when it happens, and you can't say what if later on. The, the point is this is a four- to five-year rebuild, and I've said it six zillion times. I've said that more than I've told UCLA stories. <laughs> and people don't want to listen to it, and are they, are they better than they were last year? Yes. Should they be better next year than they are this year? Yes. It doesn't mean the program's healthy. It doesn't mean everything's fine. It is a rebuild. And when you sit there and you map out your plan for a rebuild and everybody says, well, why are you taking two quarterbacks here? Let's take two quarterbacks there. Let's take an extra wide receiver here. Well, that's great. And then you look at what happened to the wide receiver depth the year Rutgers took zero. Right, And if you want to take all these guys, you look at how they're trying to space out their secondary depth. Instead of just going and getting six kids because six kids got kicked out the year before Ash got there, you have to space things out for the overall long-term health of the roster. And people just don't want to listen to that. They don't want to believe it. They want to win. And and here's what's going to happen. They're going to listen right now and go, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Yes, he's right. And then on Saturday when something happens that they don't like in the game— they're going to go on the board and say, we need to get this guy now. Forget about depth and building a roster. We can't survive until with next year unless we get this guy. It's a four or five year plan. Just sit back and enjoy the rebuild and enjoy that they're getting better. And then when they make their bowl game in whatever year, you can say, ah, oh, remember what it was like sitting at that
1: 79 nothing game. Something I want to bring up real quick because now it is out in public. We, we reported this. Late last week that Solomon Manning was leaving the program, he's going to go play at Monmouth. Probably, you know, the, the level at which he could be making an impact right now. But congrats to Monmouth, by the way, for making the FCS playoff. My guy Lonnie Moore down there is one of the star players. Um, but I guess just on Solomon Manning, it, you know, it wasn't it wasn't working out. He moved positions a couple times and couldn't find the field. So he moved on. It's normal. And then does, that does not mean that Rutgers can say, oh, well, he was on scholarship, so now we get 24 kids we can bring in. Let's get another grad transfer. No. It
3: doesn't? How come?
1: I promise it doesn't work like really? that. Really? Why? I'm
3: surprised at that.
1: Kids are going to leave. and
3: Solomon Manning's a kid that committed the Kyle flood. Um, I don't think a lot of people on staff wanted to take him. They were surprised because there was concern about how well he ran. When Chris Ash came in, there was talk on whether they would take him or not. We know what high school he's from. We know what the history is at that high school with Rutgers. Right, right. And so Chris Ash was going to take him and give him every opportunity. Um, I I mean, I I couldn't even remember who was on the roster halfway through the season. So when I heard that you told me he was transferring, I was like, oh, that's right, he's here. So, I mean, yeah, it's what he should do. It's where he should have been at the first place.
1: Yeah, that's true. But again, I don't blame Solomon Manning for accepting a scholarship to Rutgers. No, so keep I in mean, mind,
3: he almost accepted one to Syracuse, but at the time, um, they were looking elsewhere, so then he turned around and committed to Kyle Flood.
1: Right, and, you know, good for him. He got to try big-time football, and now he gets to take the lessons that he learned at Rutgers and go down to Monmouth and say, Hey, this is what I learned in the Big Ten. Let's try to get back to the FCS playoff next year with my guy Lonnie Moore.
3: Yeah, good for Solomon Manning because at the end of the day, if you want to play football, go there, get a degree that will help you. If you're going to stay in New Jersey, your mom's degree will help you. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you always want to see kids do well. People always go, oh, Brian, you don't like this guy. You don't like this guy. What did he ever do to you? Well, you don't like them. No, no, I love (laughs) them. I mean, as people, Solomon Manning's a great kid.
1: Oh, yeah, Solomon's great, but there are players you don't like.
3: I mean, how could you like it? I mean, that goes for everybody. I mean, there's 120 players on a team. Of course there's players you don't. I mean, you're just not going to mesh with people's personality. But
1: but what about
3: Gio? I love Gio. Gio's <laughs> a great kid. And everybody I talk to tell me what a phenomenal kid he is. I mean, that has nothing to do with whether a kid can play football or not. Um, so for me, with Solomon Manning, yeah, go get your degree. Go have fun playing football. So when you decide, you know, so when you hang him up, you had your chance.
1: All right, last thing that I want to bring up today on the podcast before we transition into the uh, jerry kill conversation that i discussed earlier brian part of being doing this job is the fact that we don't really get holidays and holiday weekends our holiday weekends are in the middle of july for no reason
3: well i'll just tell you this one of my favorite things and when i say favorite i say i mean least favorite is I'll go somewhere on a Friday and I'll be talking to somebody and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm so glad. You excited for the weekend? Get some, you know, <laughs> excited for the weekend?" Yeah, that's it. That's it. And there really are no days off in this thing. Thanksgiving, I know I'll take try to take the day off and if something happens, I'll work. And I love it. I've been doing it for 30 years working in, you know, sports. It's awesome. I mean, Sam, where else can you and I Hang out on a midweek afternoon, enjoy a coffee. Well,
1: one of us got coffee,
3: talk sports, and it's our job, and it's a great job. But you're right, you, you don't get days off. You, I mean, I, I shoot, I remember covering the Dodgers when a story broke on Christmas Day. Here's your options you work because it's your job, or you don't work. So, there's pitfalls with everything.
1: My uh, my favorite. I again, I haven't done this as long. Obviously, I've been doing it for ten. This is ten years for me, my, or my eleventh year at Rutgers, I guess. If you want to do the math, the best a lot of incompetence. Yeah, yeah. Well, four ads, three football coaches. Um, How many presidents? Yeah, unfortunately, not as many as uh, there needed to be. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, but with all of that, the, the memory that stands out for me is when I was, I think, I think it was my junior year. It was the year that Steve Craigthorpe got fired at Louisville. Rutgers was at Louisville 11 a.m. on Black Friday, which meant that me, being a student that lived in the dorms... I was at that game. It was great, right? But so before, They did
3: take us to a good... The Louisville sports information staff took us Rutgers to a really was pretty good, great. Awesome. I day. wasn't invited. Took us to a restaurant for Thanksgiving night, which was pretty cool.
1: So, but I'm guessing when you flew out, probably what, Thanksgiving to go to the game? Thanksgiving night. Yeah, I flew that Thanksgiving night as well, but... The Rutgers dorms are not open then, so I had the choice of either hiding in my dorm closet with the lights off and hoping they didn't catch me, or paying for a hotel that I couldn't afford, because I like I like, I'm not going to drive to Virginia. Why couldn't
3: you? Why couldn't you hide in a hotel room closet?
1: <laughs> well, that would be illegal. So what I did, if you're familiar with um, creepiness, f- yeah. <laughs> if you're familiar with the quad on college ave i lived in uh man i can't even remember the name of the dorm but i i legitimately hid in my closet during like the check to make sure everyone was out they turn off the electricity and the water and i'm just there hiding for 12 hours before my flight because i have nowhere else to go then i fly there on thanksgiving have thanksgiving dinner with my photographer at waffle house because that's what was open
3: Hey, I, I still remember... Hey, we went to a place, too, and it wasn't Waffle House.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, it must be nice to have money and be an adult. I didn't have either. And then we got to watch Muhammad Sanu play quarterback, and that was the payoff. Yeah. We got to watch a, one of the most fun, absurd games of Shiano's era. And, I mean, Cragthorpe got fired right after that game. He was going to get fired anyway. But uh, it, it ended up being a fun weekend, despite all that nonsense. And, and that's, that's the one that I'll always remember about Thanksgiving. Boy,
3: there's so many. I'll, I'll give you my best Thanksgiving. My young, my older one was just about a year old. And, geez, I, wonder, I guess it was the year that Rutgers had that big run in football. 05, right? That was 05?
1: I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. Yeah, it was
3: 05. It all runs together, man. Well, you know that so the
1: big run was 06, right? 06. Um, so that's when it was.
3: It was 06 because he was almost a year old. So, UCLA football, played at Arizona State on a Saturday, um, which I think is the same day that Cincinnati tattooed Rutgers. Game ended. I did my job. Got on a plane Sunday, flew to Honolulu, met my wife and almost one-year-old there in the airport at Honolulu. We hopped on a flight over to Maui. I covered the Maui Invitational (laughs) because UCLA was playing in the Maui Invitational, and My paper was nice enough to allow us to stay through Saturday night and pay for it. So uh, I guess it would be now 10 years ago or 11 years ago this Thanksgiving that we had Thanksgiving dinner poolside probably about 100 feet from the ocean in Maui and it was absolutely gorgeous. It was it was at the Westin, which was one of the team hotels that they gave I, us an unbelievable rate. So it was great.
1: Yeah, and for every Maui Invitational, there's ten uh, Birmingham Papa John's Bowl during <laughs> Christmas week. So it's not all uh, it's not all volcanoes and beaches. Thanks to Brian for giving us a little bit of time during the holiday week as we all prepare for thanksgiving for a ton of sports going on this weekend if you hear a little buzz in the background as i record the transition into jerry kill it's because i am at my dungeon office at rutgers university in the bowels of high point Solutions stadium and the refrigerator is running i can't go catch it right now because my dinner's in there and i don't want it to spoil so a quick question here in a i guess we'll call it a truncated mailbag brian and i didn't have enough time to do a full mailbag this week So the uh, question that I'm going to take quickly here came from Piscataway Fred, who is on uh, our Scarlet Report Premium site. He doesn't post a lot, but sent me a message with some questions, uh, something that I wanted to discuss today because if I didn't uh, add it into the mailbag this week, I would have forgotten. His question is uh, regarding fan support and fan behavior. he asked, when is it appropriate to call out a fan base for being weak or frontrunners or fairweather fans? And who should do it for maximum positive effect? So it's an interesting question, I guess. I think that Rutgers fans are quick to call each other out or call out the fan base that they're a part of and criticize each other. And I think that's part of being a fan of any team in New Jersey is the self-deprecating humor that comes with it. Rutgers is no different. I mean, I'm sure that you see all the bad Twitter stick about the Devils and the Jets and and the Mets and all that stuff. So why shouldn't Rutgers be any different with bad Twitter shtick and and fan bases that love to yell at each other? That's what the New York fan base is all about. As far as who should call out the fan base, I don't think you ever need to call out a fan base because the attendance numbers kind of speak for themselves. Now, I, I, as a writer, the only time I, I okay so. We used to have a joke at the Daily Targum. I'd make fun of my boss, Matt Stein, because he'd write a column every week in the Targum taking shots at the student section for not showing up quickly enough or for not being there or for the fans just not turning out or whatever it is. And it became a running joke because, yeah, you can yell at fans as much as they want, but what's a fan going to do? Is he going to read that and go, oh, well, I'll I'll show those newspapers. I'm going to go buy four tickets. I'll show them. No, they're just going to add to the Twitter jokes or throw a middle finger up and walk away. The only time that I've ever called out the Rutgers fan base in my 11 years is when Mike Teal got booed on homecoming. I thought that was ridiculous. The, a guy that was such an integral part of 2006, and believe me, they won the game where he got booed. It was a 12-10 win over UConn. Blair Bynes made a big play to lock it up. That was the one time where I felt like I needed to criticize the fan base because why are you booing this guy? It's funny every time a quarterback gets booed and you hear the fan base say, we weren't booing the kid, we were booing the decision to play him. Yeah, well, the kid knows you're booing him, and that's your right as a fan. Tickets are expensive, and I have no right to tell you how to act. Rutgers and the players and the team have no right to tell you how to act. You're fans, and you act however you want, and when Rutgers wins and – is in the headlines for the right reasons and is outgoing and the marketing team is all over the place, more people are going to come. It has nothing to do with calling out the fan base or, or having you know the players rip the fans. I always think that that's not going to work. If Chris Ash calls out the fans after Saturday when none of them inevitably show up for Michigan State, that's a problem. If Sebastian Joseph or one of the team captains or something says, yeah, I'm disappointed in the fans for not coming for my senior day, That creates the wrong headline. I don't think there's really ever a right time to call out a fan base unless it's something egregious. If you're talking about attendance, if you're talking about coming out or buying tickets or whatever, that that takes care of itself. If you're talking about decorum and, you know, everyone talked about how Rutgers fans acted in that first night game against Penn State or how Rutgers fans were treated at Penn State the next year, all that kind of stuff. I get that. But that's, you know, like you wrote in the question, Fred, decorum, that's different. And I think that's probably, whether it's the media or the fan base itself, you need to police yourself. And it's the same thing I always say on the message boards. Think about if you were looking the person in the eye saying what you just typed behind a keyboard. It's the same idea in the fan. It's the same idea if you're a fan. Think about if you're saying these things or booing or whatever you're doing five feet from the person you're doing it to. It's no different. Thanks for the question. I hope Dad answered it. That was all we're doing for the mailbag this week. And instead of me leaving, hearing Jerry Kill, coming back to close out the show, begging you to subscribe and rate in iTunes and begging you to help support the Rutgers Scoutcast on social media. See what I did there? Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and play this Jerry Kill audio that we teased. So here's Jerry Kill talking about, well, talking about whatever the hell Jerry Kill wants to talk about. And uh, that is the show for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, these players haven't had the same offensive coordinator for two years in a long time. Uh, how much can that help a player in development just to know that same guy, same philosophy, same scheme going into their off season?
4: Oh, I think it's, you know, I mean that's, you know, continuity. I was fortunate to have the same people for most of them for 16 to 20 years. And I think continuity when you're turning around a program is very, very important. And uh, I think that uh, you know, because you keep the same philosophy, the same thing, and you know, uh, this is like I said, I've done this five different times, and this is not any different than the other five. You know, we have the same questions about quarterback, have the same questions about, you know, you just do, and uh, but you know, really in some ways, this is Coach Ash's year number one because when you take the job over late and recruiting and so forth, it's it's tough, but. Uh, you know, we've made some, you know, we've made some progress. I mean, I think that's evident in, in some areas. Uh, we just haven't got everything fixed yet. And that only comes through uh, recruiting, frankly, uh, and continuity. And, uh, you know, I know I've enjoyed <clears throat> my room uh, tremendously. And I got great kids. I mean, they, you know, you could have had a problem when uh, I went to Geo as a quarterback and... You know, we had none. Kyle was very supportive and has been right in there the whole time. Jonathan got hurt. He's been supportive, you know, and understands. And so, you know, I'm fortunate to have a great, great room and and uh, so forth. And I think in the past that the quarterback, and we got two, two more hopefully coming in, uh, can't talk about that. But is that uh, it's a deal where uh, I came in with one, you know, really one and a half. Of, because the other one was injured too. Or two of them are injured, and uh, so it's one of those deals where, uh, you know, it's it just it, nobody's patient. I, I'm the most impatient guy in the world, except for maybe Coach Ash. And uh, <laughs> so we, we all want to win right now, and uh, but it just doesn't work that way. It's a process. It's like a I always say it's like a broken down company, and you buy a company. And uh, you know I spoke over all over the country when I was out and uh, to companies and, 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 and referring it towards football. If you have a comp- company that's not successful and somebody you know else buys it and it hadn't been successful, you're not going to turn that company around in two years. And this job wouldn't have been open if it was a great job at the time. you know the, Most of the time they're open because there's issues and a lot of them, So uh, you just can't take care of them all at once. So, you know, I I think that getting three uh, Big Ten wins was important, and we need to get a fourth one. Uh, Why we played the way we did against Indiana, I can't answer that question. I asked all five quarterbacks that yesterday, and we talked about it. Uh, Maybe it's because we haven't been in that position before. I don't know. Uh, But uh, we just didn't play uh, like we've been playing. And even in the loss of Penn State, I felt we played hard and, and did some good things. But uh, so can't do anything about that. I'm one that says when the, it's like the NFL or any place else, the NBA basketball, you know, when that day's over, it's over with. You you look at the video, you, you make corrections, and you move on because if you worry about it too much, you get your butt beat the next time. So, you know, I, I just I think my whole deal is, is that we're playing the seventh ranked rushing team in the country. We're playing another good really good defense. Uh, is that we play better and we execute because my frustrations right now are it's not that, you know, we run the ball for six, and then we run it for four, and then we complete a pass, we get a first down, and then we go into what we call a speed huddle, and uh, you know, a guy jumps off sides. All right, there goes one first down. Then we do it again later on in the game, and a guy holds in a short yardage situation. Then we have a snap that that goes sideways, you, or you know, it, or we take a you know, quarterback. We blow protection, and quarterback takes a blind shot. I mean, and and we're moving the ball on all of them. And so it's one of those things where we just still have one or two people that are struggling for a snap, and it just kills us. And uh, I've talked about consistency all year about that, and I think that's part of the transition, and probably not having coordinators. And I think Geo's been through about five of them. I told Geo, I don't know if he's 28 or 30 years old. He's, he's been here a long time, but it's it's a deal where he knows more about it than anybody. And uh, so uh, it's uh, maybe that's why. But we just uh, the frustration is consistency, and then I look at it. I'm not an excuse maker, but all of a sudden I look out there and we got three, uh, you know, freshman receivers and, you know, I look how young we are on offense and, and maybe that's why we don't have the continuity because sometimes young people don't concentrate near there as well as older people do. And, uh, you know, I'm an old man, I'm a lot older than anybody really on the staff and, and, uh. You know, I think my concentration level towards my focus is better than an 18-year-old kid that's playing, and you know, in front of you know, a crowd and so forth. So, you know, uh, as long as we maintain a good attitude, and we play hard and and uh, you know, try to get better. I can live with anything, but I don't. You know, at in Indiana, it was just uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I felt offensively we had one of our better practices. I thought we. You know, if you went by practice, I mean, I felt pretty good. Uh, But, uh, and I was in the box, but according to our guys, it just, I think they got up so fast and emotionally our kids didn't respond. I don't know what Coach Ash told you, but we, I mean, they got on us so quick and I think our kids were like in culture shock. And uh, that's a sign of a team that haven't been there. You know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're nervous because they were playing a chance to go to you know have a chance to go to a bowl game you know and they just haven't been used to that for a while so those are the million dollar questions you get them answered let me know and send it to me (laughs) i'll take it i'll listen to i'm not afraid to listen